Am I starting or are you starting? <laughs> You're starting. Oh, I'm starting? So, uh, welcome everyone. We are now into our last season of Rebels, Rebels Season 4. I can't believe it's really been this long, honestly. Well, as you know, it feels quite short, but we've gotten this far. It's quite we've a lot of theory. We've gotten very far, but it also feels like fucking forever and not a good way. Well, if you think about it, like going all the way back to the beginning of Clone Wars, it's we've watched oh, yeah. quite a bit of television here. So yeah. seven episodes, seven seasons of Clone Wars, a season of Bad Batch, and here we are, four seasons of Rebels, and we're almost we're in the home stretch, basically. We are, and then then it's uh, t- onto no- new shows, very very like brand new Star Wars. Uh, Can't episodes. wait! It's so good. So I guess I'll throw it to you. We've watched episodes one through eight of season four. And I'm wondering, Chris, what are your general thoughts? Um, let's start with the positive. The animation has definitely improved. You can definitely tell something has changed and it's for the better, I think. It's like a little softer, I would say. Um, but man, the finale better be good because these episodes weren't. I'm just... I'm... Oh no, we disagree! <laughs> Oh no! Okay, let let let, let okay. Let, let me put it this way: the things that are talked about here, and like, it's it's good. It's like it's interesting, but I don't think those episodes are good. They were okay. I'm just glad this show is over soon. I think you know there are so many things that just I hated in these episodes. Um, a lot of things that we've seen before, like more star wars fake deaths we have more reckless behavior that endangers the entire mission uh, we have more episodes that had only one or two or three good moments and like episode eight were just utterly useless and i don't know i, I I'm, I'm i'm just not feeling it i think there are there are good episodes in between like good things about some episodes here but I was just watching these episodes and I was just thinking, if if it weren't for this podcast, I would have quit this show already. Oh my God, Chris. Wow. Okay. I feel like th- this show has like an embarrassment of riches in a way. Like they have so many characters, yet they don't know what to do with them. And oh. I don't know. Maybe I'm just in a very bad headspace and this, this show has already lost me, but I don't know. So yeah, I guess this may, will make for an interesting conversation. Wow, okay, because I think this is like a step up for the show. There are two things that I think that are really frustrating, and I agree with you. The The fact that they decided not to kill her mother and her brother, Sabine's mother and brother, is very disappointing to me. And I actually had forgot that they did that. I was like, oh, the end of episode one is great. And then the beginning of episode two, they reveal that they're actually alive, and I was very sad and disappointed. Mm. And episode eight is kind of useless. Um and those are the two episodes where I was like, huh, not that great. But I love a lot of, I love like, this is the first time the show actually actually has one continuous narrative and doesn't at all diverge and have completely one-off stuff. Even episode mm-hmm. eight has some connection to the larger rebellion and sets up the final climactic battle. Um, I, I think that, I actually disagree. I think they've started to figure out what they are supposed to do with these characters in the sense that Kanan is sort of has become, I guess we'll talk about this in more detail, like the window into the mystery of the force a little bit more. Ezra, I think he's 
<laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. He's somewhat likable in these episodes. He's becoming less and less of an asshole. Um, you still have the quirky like back and forth that he has, but that's never going to go away. Um, Zeb is obviously sidelined. I think that's the one character they never really figured out. Mm. Um, but I think that that's sort of that's kind of indicative of as you said they have too much they i think they set themselves up with too much at the beginning and zeb's sidelining honestly is better than them trying to fill in something uh like the episode of the lasan lasat thing that uh, that weird episode that was a few months ago at least they had tried um so i agree with zeb i think that he is sidelined and a little bit underused for sure I really like them teasing the mystery of the force and deep diving into that a little bit more in terms of what has connected them to Lothal. What are these loath wolves and what is going on there? I like, I just like, I think that the show has become a little bit more thoughtful in some ways. Um, We're going to talk a bit bit about the rebellion and I really like the discord between Saw and Mon Mothma there. I like the way they weave in stuff that actually connect to Star Wars Rogue One. And we start to get a little bit more into a little bit more understanding of the timeline of what's going on, where this show is in this section of the series with connection to the major capital R rebellion that we are familiar with. So the thing is, I don't disagree, but I think that's just on paper what they're doing with these episodes, especially the first four I like. But there were still parts of that execution that I was just, I didn't care for. Okay, yeah. So give me an example. Like, what are specific examples? Because that would help me, like, understand what you're, where you're coming from and what you specifically mean. Like, the fact that Saw in episode four, that we obviously see him, you know, he has a big disregard for the prisoners. He only cares about his own thing. And I think on the... In the grand scheme of things, I think that's that's a good thing to show. But just the way they do it, it's just like a little bit... Or like even his dispute with Mon Mothma is like, I get where both of them are coming from. It's just not that... It's like very in your face. It's very... I would have liked another two drafts of, of the back and forth maybe. Oh, but... I love that back and forth. I love actually like my... I thought that like the the speech that... The speeches back and forth are actually like good Star Wars speeches, which are very, very, very rare or if non-existent. I found Saw coming in and actually trying to undermine the rebellion from within for his own selfish needs. I found that extremely affecting. And then Mon Mothma getting angry, this character that we've only known for 40 years as someone who is very thoughtful and very composed, losing her shit for a second in the way that she would. I thought, I thought like that showed how much he gets to her in a negative way. Um, I thought, I, yeah, I agree. Some of it was on the nose, but I didn't, I disagree with that specific part. I think mm. it's more later on. That's a little bit annoying, but I love how like even Hera does have some doubt about the rebellion yeah, in this moment. So sure. like it's, it, it is something that they all deal with, even though they show. So Hera has the strength to follow orders and to tell Ezra off about questioning too much, but that's a theme that we actually complained about in season three, but in season four, we get the flip side of the scene where it's, they're in the cockpit and Hera is actually confiding in Kanan and telling her about some of her doubts. 
So this dichotomy of follow orders or or basically shut up are is actually undermined a little bit because it's a it's a very trying time for the rebellion. And I also think like there is this moment where I think Saw is actually right in the sense that he says that um yeah, he says explicitly that the empire thinks they're on the verge of winning a war that the rebellion believes it hasn't begun. And that's so true. Yeah. So that's true from both perspectives. And when you look at episode, the actual or original where we start off in season episode four in Star Wars, A New Hope, that is, that, that is the exact circumstances. And he is exactly right and knows what he's talking about, but is so wrong in his execution and the specifics. And that the line between being right and and actually finding out the truth is so thin and he is at the cusp of understanding everything but comes like comes so close but fails and i think it was just such an affecting and it just shows how the smallest little speck can turn the tide of an entire galactic conflict and can i just found it very very um a very good way to capture the inside inside the rebellion and the fragility on top of which the rebellion is built you know what i just realized is that i had it totally wrong in the in terms of i don't actually i i like like the first four episodes i just didn't like the last four and that's kind of overshadowed it for ah. me because it's okay. just unfortunate because the first four were good were the good part and the last four were the ones that i actually didn't like so i can't really <laughs> give you that many examples of what i didn't like in those four episodes but i don't know you mentioned like the loath wolves i just didn't care for that that was like a bridge to like that they know kane's last name and it's like what the fuck i don't know that just seemed silly to me the, that assassin is stupid i don't know the whole like teleportation thing was like really weird uh all of these things we i don't know it's just so many things throughout those they, they bring back visaga and those pigs and it's just like memories of bad bad episodes you know yeah i can't i can't disagree with visago visago and it's just like great. when when they mentioned hondo again i cringed and i was like what the fuck is i don't want to have that reaction when somebody talks about hondo but just this show has ruined hondo for me it's incredible. I was so relieved when he actually didn't show up. Yeah, no, it's actually quite nice. I um yeah, I agree with Visago for sure. Some of the sideline characters um are just not that interesting in the second half of this uh this section that we watched. I sort of I actually quite disagree about the the Loth Wolves and the trans the teleportation and the mystery of the force that's going on on Lothal because it's sort of been hinted at in the past the fact that there is a Jedi temple on Lothal with multiple layers to it and things going on that there is a connection that this the 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 planet has to the force and I love it when mysterious shit happens with the force that <laughs> stuff is so fun for me and it just creates a different layer to like other without the force this is just like a regular show like it's not well it, yeah it's just yeah it's just a regular like empire rebellion story but it is the force that makes star wars special and in the especially at the end of season seven episode seven i really like the end in the way that it 
questions and teases this idea of the Jedi coming to Lothal and connecting with this planet in a special way. And these Lothwolves that haven't been seen for a hundred years are coming out in response to the planetary destruction that is happening. And it is this, you know, this connection between nature and the force that are, is so important to it that I actually find very affecting. I completely agree that, you know, the assassin is overdone and just weirdly that's, that's a strange weird in that way. Um, I d- the, there are other moments that I kind of like in these episodes, but they're, you know, passing stuff. But from a big picture perspective, I do disagree in the sense that I really do like the mystery of the Force and the Loth Wolves and the Loth Cats as well are this extension of the way that we connect to nature through the Force. This idea that um, the Force bi- bonds and binds everything in the universe and it is not simply the Jedi versus the Sith. It connects to these other um, Force-wielding characters. and the wolves have agency with these force wielding characters. So um, it's yet to be, yeah, it's, I, I just find it very, yeah. I, I like that wondrous nature of star Wars and that always tugs at that, that, that um, desire for me. So I, I like that in this episode. Again, I, I don't disagree. It's when, when Kanan says in the beginning of episode seven, that he's going to explore the obvious connection that they what you know they have with Lothal I thought okay this is really great but just the way they did it it was like a little weird to me I think just the fact that they I think they teased it for too long that you know Ezra has this special relationship with animals especially animals on Lothal and I think they just did it a bunch of times and I wish that had come earlier you know or they had done it less um, so maybe it's just like an overreaction on my part where I was like, they're finally doing it, but just because I had to wait for this long, I'm like not happy about it. I don't know. It's just, I think, yeah, just the the last, and I think maybe just episode eight broke my spirit where like we had four good episodes, then we had three episodes that were like, yeah, whatever, especially episode six as well. I didn't like uh Episode five, I didn't like as much either. Episode seven was fine. Episode eight was just garbage, just useless. And so I think that's just just left a sour taste in my mouth. And that's why I'm so negative right now. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that my question was when I was thinking about how to split the season up is, I know episode eight is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Do I end this this section with episode eight or do I start the next one with episode eight? better this way honestly yeah i think it is better this way and the end of episode seven would have been a great finish i think to this Mm -hmm. section of the series but get it out of the way episode eight i mean i guess we should go back and watch you should watch clone wars without the episodes that i decided to skip (laughs) (laughs) and make i wonder that how that'll change how you feel but um actually i kind of like uh episode six because I'd like, there's a couple instances where th- when Thrawn is reflecting on who is in the cockpit, who is around, his respect for Hera Sundula is is evident there. His thoughtfulness, the way he acts in the moment of crisis, it just kind of I I just like Thrawn. So whenever Thrawn shows up, it it, it immediately drags my attention to a way that is that no other character really in this show can do. Yeah, I mean that's ex- again I did I like that I just. Uh, it was just overpowered by my annoyance at 
uh, Sabine and Ezra just jeopardizing the entire mission by, no, let's do more and endanger everything. And it's just like, they've done it so many times. They can't follow orders. And it's just, why would you do that? Like, that's so stupid. That's so reckless. And I just, I I hate, why, because it happens so often. And that's, I don't know, I, something about it just gets me. So I think that was just like, that was like overshadowing everything else. Oh, we found uh, your pet peeve or one of your pet peeves other than children. <laughs> yeah, I just want obedience. God damn it. No, it's it's not that. It's just, again, or like with the dish in episode five, like they just blow it. No, it wasn't episode five. Sorry, it was episode three. Uh, like they just blow it up they're like going to against direct orders like well saw blows it up to be fair yeah but they would have done it too like they try to do that fair enough so it's just like and it's again it's sabine and ezra and it's like they have their own thing going on and that kind of goes against the rebellion which i don't think is bad but just the way it's handled is like they don't really talk about it and yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should go through the episode so it's like, you know, we can, or like through some t- themes and some characters and then, <laughs> then. <laughs> Get you in a better headspace. Yeah, because I mean, again, I think there are definitely things that I liked about those episodes. It's it's just, it's just overshadowed by a lot of the things that I didn't like, which is which have been li- things that I haven't liked throughout this show, to be fair. So it's just every time it happens again, I'm just, even more annoyed that's so interesting um because i think we agree on a lot of things here yeah but it's like those things just don't matter as much to me like i can see the positive more i get super triggered by them (laughs) well all right so i guess talking about some themes should we go to mandalore right now please always (laughs) um so there's a I really like these first two episodes, save for the aforementioned fake killing of her mother and mm-hmm. son. And sorry, mother and uh, brother. Um, yeah, so what did you think about uh, the depiction of Mandalore, I guess? I really liked it. The whole, we get a lot of, uh, you know, the power structure, the different clans and everything. I really liked Bo-Katan here, and especially Bo-Katan and Sabine together. The way that Bo-Katan challenges her throughout, and Sabine grows through that where she does take responsibility uh for her actions and she confronts it and see again like sees the bigger picture uh of okay we but you can hate me later but we need to accomplish this thing first otherwise we're all screwed and i like that relationship obviously with um you know in the end she gives the dark saber to bo katan and you know tells her everybody's on your side you should rule us and that's what everybody else thinks maybe it's just me but saxon's red shoulder plate really reminded me of like some nazi insignia oh really yeah like the band thing with the swastika on it maybe it's because it's like also like kind of arm adjacent and it's red i don't know and it's like a fascist (laughs) so maybe it's that but um i really really liked and i think we're going to talk you know, when talking about Mandalore, we're going to talk about Sabine a lot. So I really liked how she grappled and processed her her responsibility in building this weapon and what that means. And, you know, her her journey throughout those two episodes is amazing. 
Yeah, Sabine really shines in these episodes. From the beginning where she is, we clearly, we see her as a leader in these episodes at the beginning. And then she realizes that she's actually not ready to be a leader. And when she comes into contact with Bo-Katan, who is a natural born leader and is someone that advises her in the right way, she reconciles or tries to reconcile with this guilt that she's been holding inside of her. And it it comes out in her anger and her lust for revenge that she does give into for a second, but then is able to see the bigger picture and listen to Bo-Katan and destroy the weapon for what it is. It's an incredible, honestly, an incredible journey that Sabine gets to go through for her over these two episodes. And we get to see kind of everything that we wanted from her. So all of her emotional baggage, her background, her character development, so much going on with Sabine in these two episodes. So, I think it's like an, a masterclass in in that. Um, I, of course, love Bo-Katan. Of course. And she is just, I think I like her so much more than even in Clone Wars in these episodes, where she is reluctant to be the leader, right? But then it's sort of called upon her in that way, and she accepts it um, when it's given to her um, as a response to her her demonstrating her leadership to Sabine, essentially. It's an interesting question, though. Like, how did Sabine not know her by her face? I guess she only knew her name, but it was uh, she, when she asked, like, who are you, essentially? And Sabine introduces herself. Or I think Fen Rao maybe tells her who Sabine is, or, or who Bo-Katan is. And I was in, it was interesting there. Um, I love Bo-Katan's line, I am, the lead, I am not the leader you seek. That's just a great <laughs> yeah. callback. That I was really so like good. That. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things in here that I really liked. I loved the depiction specifically of the barren topography of Mandalore. Mm. And we haven't really gotten that at any point. We've never seen Mandalore live action, obviously. We've only seen um, Sundari in the Clone Wars. So it's really cool to just be living with this these characters on this barren wasteland where there's literally nothing. And that's an incredible... Um, depiction or consequence of war and I found that amazing and Sabine's reflection when she's talking to Ezra about how conflict consistent conflict has destroyed the planet of any natural life and it used to be full of grass and it's a whole it's an incredible uh, reflection on the consequences of this warrior lifestyle that Mandalore has embodied Um, one of the things that we mentioned in the Clone Wars that uh, Mandalore has a problem with race. And I like the diversity that's shown in Mandalore here. So we, we do get a lot of minority represented represented characters um, in these shows. Obviously, everything is animated, but um, there is a clear uh, visual difference between Clan Wren and Clan Kreese. And, and it is cool to see different variations of what it means to be Mandalorian. And it's not only your stand in for nazis yeah um. <laughs> no 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 i was i wasn't i wasn't like <clears throat> saying mandalorians are nazis just like saxon's uniform kind of reminded me of a nazi thing yeah yeah sure. totally different um, things <laughs> um i also really love her father oh yeah i was just gonna get to that is so good it's also just like a cool relationship between her father and her mother, her mother being the strong warrior type and her father kind of just being this artsy bureaucratic kind of guy. And just, and I love how he's like immediately commenting on her artwork. It's <laughs> so funny. I yeah. think it's, 
I like the relationship that he has with Sabine. Um, I, and the more that I get into, I just want more from them, from the clan Ren, from her family's relationships, because I'm kind of sad, like in reflection, I'm sad, I'm sad we haven't gotten more of it in, in the past, but we did get a few episodes here and there, which were good, but um, it'd be good to get more of that. Especially um, of the two parents together. He is an artist. And I think on a meta level, that too is great that, you know, art is important. Art is political. Um, yeah. And I love that. And, yeah uh the whole as you said like you immediately yeah it's, you've improved and all of that that was pretty cool um yeah but yeah i'd be curious to see the relationship dynamic between the two parents for sure i really like one thing also that is thron's commentary when he talks about the artistry of this weapon and just the way that he it's 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 constant thron's respect for and ability to dissect the weakness of other people or his enemies is absolutely incredible and the way that he talks about how this this weapon just is artistic in a way and it's just i really like that reflection that thrawn does and that really shows the difference again between thrawn and um i it's, i forget this the name of this saxon guy but in your name nazi saxon and <laughs> It's I, I really like that aspect of Thrawn. And the last thing that I'll say about these episodes from my perspective, and it, they're simultaneously or they're connected, my favorite moment of these episodes and my least favorite moment of these episodes. And my favorite moment is the dust death scene when, when they arrive and mm. everyone is turned to dust and Sabine is looking or knelt, kneeling down over uh, the corpse of just not really a corpse, just these this mandalorian armor that has a body that has been turned to ash and it was absolutely affecting just to see the dust with no survivors on the on the battlefield and that was my favorite moment i think of these episodes and the the heartbreak that you see this guilt that she has when she believes that her mother and brother were killed and then my least favorite part of this episode is what happens right after where we realize <laughs> that they're actually not dead and that yeah. was i literally my notes have like no 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 written down in exclamation marks it made me so angry um because it was so good it would have been amazing and yeah. uh, uh but they didn't because but they didn't because they're cowards it makes me so angry honestly but alas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but <clears throat> yeah it's a very like it's such a gruesome weapon as well like if you think about it and i think that's another important moment when Sabine wants to use it against the stormtrooper and again like against the empire and Bogotan is like no that's not our way which again is like an interesting thing you know of like this is the way sort of thing with Mandalorian culture but or a subset of it anyway but yes absolutely the like no that's not like if we do this we're not better than them uh it's which is kind of something that Mon Mothma says later on as well in a different context and yeah i think maybe that's one of these moments where sabine realized that bo-katan is a better leader than she is it's incredible honestly i like that distinction and whenever i mean this is a constant thing in star wars it's not about the fact that you're fighting it's about how you choose to fight and mm -hmm. that's 
been something that we reconcile with through our own warfare through centuries of battle right and it's an interesting consideration when you think about it in this fantasy world that we're reflecting on the nature of warfare and um is really might right and yes to a certain extent no to a certain extent and these are questions that they these people are dealing with uh, and kind of don't have an answer for in some ways but um, you have competing interests and competing ideals, and that is more evident in the in the fighting that we have within the rebellion or factions of the rebellion um, on Yavin. But it is also something that is akin to or framed within this quote unquote honorific warfare that Bo-Katan is espousing. Mm, yeah, absolutely. But speaking of Yavin Four and. Uh, the rebellion we get quite a lot about those uh, like this as well and i'm just curious about what you think oh i love this i love obviously seeing yavin and on the ground in yavin is so cool we barely have seen yavin ever but it just it is yavin is the central body around which all of star wars circulates the years of the war are the years of Star Wars are calculated based on Yavin. Everything is connected to Yavin. Star Wars and New Hope is obviously the final battle is you know set from or around Yavin, and it is cool just to be there and be in the topography, which is really just affecting for me personally on the first level. But then once we get into it, my favorite thing is what I talked about a second ago, and that is this argument between Saw and Mon Mothma in terms of how to combat or to conduct the rebellion and what is the most effective way of doing things because the rebellion comes across failure after failure while Saw is effect or seemingly getting victory after victory. And these ways and these different dynamics of battle is just so cool because we, we, we thought of the rebellion as this unified group of ragtag rebels that are fighting for a greater good against an empire. And that is true to a certain extent, but it is not true when you understand that there are different competing factions that are fighting against the rebellion. Sorry, are getting are fighting against the empire and are quote unquote part of the rebellion. Like I really like the depiction of Saw is hit or miss sometimes in these episodes, but I really do like them going down the road of when you, when Saw is talking about when you lose everything, you start to see the perspective of you have to do anything you can to make, to succeed essentially. And that is the key difference of trying to inspire hope or trying to succeed. And I, I just love that specific depiction. And then we obviously in these episodes get a mention of um, an evacuation of personnel on Jeddah and then yes i love that. that so much so we see exactly what's happening so saw is now going to Jeddah, yeah. and this is really all connecting now and mm. this is this intertwining with the with arguably one of the best not arguably one of the best star wars movies mm. rogue one krennic and is mentioned as well exactly all of these things are connected and yeah, it, it is so a really cool uh it's great. Yeah. So there are moments in these episodes that I think are fascinating in terms of the nature of the rebellion, in terms of Saw's depiction, in terms of the integration into Rogue One and the connection there. It is, and obviously, yeah, it's just a great connection. And then we also have um, Hera questioning her own um, 
orders that she's kind of giving this mm. um this relationship obviously she has this relationship with Kanan and I th- I don't think I think they talk or they depict more of it in the later episodes of this season but her confiding in him and it, it's just a great um uh, connection honestly so I like these episodes uh, overall yeah absolutely I love as well that uh you know saw sneaks in a droid for a message to all the rebels which is kind of what you know it's kind of a mirror image of the what they what uh the rebels do with chop all the time <laughs> in a way uh instead or uh, you know i mean here there's no sabotage in a like technical level but it is kind of a sabotage from within on a um i guess moral level in a sense mm, as they as you said you know the factions quarreling about which direction to go and yeah it is fascinating and i think that's what so what's so interesting about it because we do see a later stage of the rebellion i would say like where they have the decision has been made which direction they're going and every other faction that went another way is not part of the rebellion i would say uh and yeah you can definitely see the through lines to rogue one and the original trilogy which I think is great. Um, I liked a lot that you know Ezra's insistence of what is about what's with Lothal. Why don't we do anything about it? And the um, the lessons that he is taught about this by Mon Mothma and Kanan. I really like that. You know, the uh, it is always a dilemma, but that's kind of the the you know nitty gritty of the dirty work of rebellion. And so I really like that depiction as well. Just Ezra in general, he is like kind of a mouthpiece for, or like a stand-in for the audience in a big way in these episodes in a way that I liked. But we'll get to this later. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's obviously that Hera has the biggest connection to the Rebellion here because she Mm. is the one who is the leader of Phoenix Squadron. And speaking of, I like how they actually shut Hera out of a meeting for for once. Yeah. It's like cool to see some hierarchy within the rebellion now that we're here. It's it's nice. I, I think that that demonstration is uh actually puts it to scale a little bit better, honestly. Um, and Hera pushing back against that is part of her character uh, and her insistence so she actually makes a huge transition during this, these episodes where she at the beginning is still on her high horse about not high horse, but on her message of the rebellion is what matters the most, the wider let's focus on the bigger picture, et cetera, et cetera. And by the end of the set of episodes, she's the one arguing for a, an attack on Lothal and focusing on Lothal and trying to help those people. It, you know, obviously there is a, also a rebellion reason why to do so, but there is this transformation that she sort of has over these episodes in recognition of Lothal. And I think that always comes back to them actually getting to the the, the planet and seeing what's happening on the ground and being a part of that and connect to Lothal and her relationship with Ezra as well as everyone else. It's, it's, it's a really nice uh, moment for sure. And it's a reflection of how Hera is probably the most adaptable Star Wars character we've ever met. And also just a freaking badass yeah absolutely and i think she has to make some big decisions here in terms of where does she go within the rebellion but also what's with her relationship with kanan and i think that's one of the highlights of the latter half of these episodes 
is there i think they have two interactions one is where they are kind of interrupted when kanan brings it up and they do talk about it and then later on we kind of get the payoff of that and i really like that dynamic and you know you can see you can kind of see the con- conflict uh coming up where um kanan wants more like commitment by her almost and she kind of like or at least i'm like some clarity about the relationship but hera is like just kind of distracted by the rebellion or puts the rebellion first for a long time and so it's a very interesting uh, discussion of you know their relationship and their needs and what they want and i i really like that as well like that side of it because we don't really see them that way and i think that's like the pinnacle of that is when like oh like this is our first one-on-one time since forever and we're doing it whilst hiding in a very narrow space you know hiding from the empire and that was like bittersweet bittersweet moment it was funny but also really true rings true kind of and um i kind of have a feeling that one of them is going to die because of it but that's just me because i just expect anyone to die you just love people dying (laughs) that's not true it's not true uh i've maybe that's kind of a (laughs) that's kind of a rebels thing i guess because i didn't think about that at all when we were watching clone wars oh interesting you're right did you never think oh because the thing is like you knew all the ends of all the characters yeah exactly that's that's that just occurred to me as well but um yeah and i don't care about a lot of these characters either like not as much as a lot of the clone wars characters Anyway. Well, inherently, like we've talked about the difference between them quite a bit in terms of the yeah. Clone Wars characters we already know and love, right? There's not many Clone Wars characters that, like, we didn't know ahead of time. Like, even the one that was shrouded in the most mystery, which is Ahsoka, she at least shows up in the Mandalorian, and we're just like, oh my god, Ahsoka! <laughs> like, even from there, right? Yeah. So, like, it's yeah i don't know it's a very different relationship for sure because we haven't seen any of these characters in live action Mm. so yeah speaking of characters like another big thing obviously happens with kanan here get kind of the the other side of that what i just mentioned you know his relationship with with uh hera but also as you said he is kind of uh, the bigger picture guy in terms of the force and i really like that as well like his his like exploration of that and just he he just knows there is something uh, that just draws them to Lothal he wants to explore it and obviously with the whole like his identity with the wolves and everything again I thought it was a little bit much but um yeah honestly just... I think that's like that they figured out what to do with Kanan in this moment, but that he is that, as I've mentioned, window yep. into the force. And I really like Kanan in these episodes. I like that he's yearning for more from Hera. That's something that we would naturally want because we haven't really, we know that they have an amorous relationship to a certain extent, but we have really never seen it. And not even a kiss, which we yeah, get here, which we do get. And I think that's actually very effective because we, 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 I would understand Kanan's frustration if I were him, mm-hmm. right? Being in love with someone, uh, presumably, I guess, or being affectionate towards someone and not really getting much is a frustrating position to be in. And 
I like that they're giving us more of a window into their lives and their frustrations, and um, I welcome it, honestly. So considering not only that, that and the extension of Kanan into the wider world and wonder of the Force, I think they really... I don't think that that's a... I'm going to say that it's like, we needed more of this earlier. And that's not really a fault of this season or this part Mm -hmm. of the season, more of a fault of earlier seasons of the show, where at the beginning of the show, they were like, oh, Kanan is a Jedi, but he's not really a Jedi. He's dealing, he was just really a Padawan and he's not really good at the force. And then we got a little bit about it in season three. So we start to see this change. So in season three, he has this connection with the Bendu that teaches him some more about the force. And he has this relationship and in season four, we start to see him being more reflective about the nature of the Force and really being more like a Jedi and meditative and connecting to that. And I think it's an interesting consideration as to when this change really starts to happen. But I wish we saw more of Kanan in, through this process um, and in reflecting on the earlier season, setting this sort of change up a little bit more would have been good. And one of the things that I really, really like about Kanan in these episodes, and I think it's one of my favorite anecdotes about Kanan in this entire show, is for the first time, we really get the consequence or a sense of the consequences of him losing his sight. And when he's talking to Hera and saying, just bluntly, I wish I could see you. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, we don't get... Because like one of the problems that I found with um Kanan losing his sight is there is no real explicit other than the first couple episodes of season three there's no real explicit consequences to it because you can effectively still see everything mm. and the the mechanics of that is a little bit weird especially in the last season it's a little bit more explicit more defined in this season I think where he can't see it things on the walls or wishes he could actually physically see Hera and things like this like I I like that moment in the sense that it goes to show a little bit more that he's actually dealing with something um, and dealing with some internal conflict as a result of not being able to physically see. So there are things that I, I really like about Kanan in these episodes. Um, I think that he's, a, I think he's become a good character, honestly, but yeah, I agree. that's just, you know, it just took some time. And I honestly, like, so under the surface, I do think it all, comes from him losing his sight in the battle against Maul, right? I just wish that was made more explicit over the last season, where he was grappling with it a little bit more, and seeing his mental anguish, I guess, as a result of that. So, really, this is a fault of the first half, honestly, of season three, where we didn't really need these one-off episodes with Hondo and whatever the fuck. We needed more of this character development from Kane in it instead, and um, we start to see it a little bit more in these in these episodes, and I think that's one of the best parts of this uh, this first half of season four. Yeah, I wonder how much of my problems with this show is that it is kind of it has it doesn't have many like arcs because it has so many one off episodes, um, which is not something that I really like because I do like character growth and you know long term depictions of struggles and characters and all of that so maybe that's like part of it um but it's interesting when you were just talking about what you had what you wish they had done with Kanan earlier it kind of reminded me of the problem that I had with Ezra and his connection to 
uh, all the animals. Which so that's kind of a nice parallel there. Yeah, I think with the uh, Ezra connection with animals, they did it really early. So in the first couple seasons, they did it. They didn't really touch it at all last season. Um, but in the first couple seasons, it was just more like, ooh, look at this fun thing that Ezra can do. There was no exactly. consequences to it. And now that there are some actual stakes behind it, at least we have something that tells us, oh, he actually does connect with animals. But he, yeah, there's something hollow in that ability that he has. But yeah, exactly. we're here but- now, I guess. I don't think that's a particularly, though, a fault of these episodes. I think it's more of a fault of the previous seasons that didn't really lay the stakes or really lay the foundation up as well as we'd like. Yeah, I definitely agree. And yeah, I, I really like a few things about Ezra here as well, which is, um, you know, he is kind of, you know, again, he cares about Lothal and doesn't let it fall under the table, uh, which is great. Also because we do get these interactions with Mon Mothma and Kanan about it and like how difficult it is to make decisions and you always know a decision to do something in on this particular planet means you're not doing something on these like three or twelve or what however many planets and uh, I really like that he's more and more like a stand-in for the for the audience kind of asks questions that then uh, you know get explained such as you know why don't you just dear mandalorians why don't you just use different armor and then they talk about you know the the weight of uh of tradition history and culture and how they can't just let go of that and yeah it, it just it just it's a good vehicle to talk about structural problems uh of the rebellion in general too so that part of it i really really liked and yeah his annoying things definitely are more on the back burner the only big thing was probably in the very first episode the like jetpack thing that was super annoying to me like that he couldn't figure out how to do it and they just did it way too much for my liking but you know looking at where we've come from in the last three three uh, seasons that's is, this is just a minor complaint i guess honestly i think ezra's become not hateable like he's fine like and he actually has some good moments here like i actually like ezra and i never thought i'd be saying this and it's crazy that we've come to this place where i mean i don't like him like him that much but you don't dislike him i don't dislike him at all and i actually like him in some moments right Mm -hmm. there are like his dedication to lothal is really admirable i like his um his banter is a lot less which is really good he seems to just they figured out what to do with him. As you said, being an avatar for the audience, sort of just just be neutral and don't fuck up as much and just be a Jedi who can swing a lightsaber and use the Force and connect with animals. And that's fine. That's all you really need from Ezra. And that's something that I actually don't mind him as a character here. So it's a very big transformation from... And it's been kind of slow because last season he wasn't as bad especially in the second half. The first half, he was terrible. Uh, But in the second half of the last season, he was moving into the direction where I dislike him, but not as much, I guess. He wasn't ruining the entire show. And this season, at the beginning of it, it's like, okay, cool, Ezra. He's just Ezra. That's good. Yeah, high praise from Rashad. I don't mind him. (laughs) That is definitely the most positive thing you can say about him. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. and actually like him in some moments. So Yeah, and like if you had told me that like 
after season two or whatever, I would have been like, you're crazy. Get out of here. That's a huge accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment. But do you know which character we really, really like and that we should talk about a little bit? Chopper. Chopper's so good. <laughs> oh my God, he's amazing. And he gets better and better. I don't understand how they have like improved upon Chopper. Like, Yeah. Uh, it's oh, like man. every single one of his interactions. I loved when he was just playing like tour guide to the prisoners around the vessel. <laughs> he's just like, get your eyes over here. And then he pulls the guy's face down and he's like telling him off to his face being like, you fucking listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. He's not even a tour guide. He's just, he's, he's actually taking charge of them and taking responsibility for them. And I think that's, that's really great. Like, you know, for a character who is mostly there for comic relief and like the little Deus Ex Machina, that's, that's a great accomplishment in a way. And he does, he does stand up to it like when he beats up the stormtrooper guards, which which also was hilarious, of course. And like he's like, no, get out of here, like this way, that way. And he like he's a droid and he is like supervising like 20 prisoners. And that's amazing. Um also when he crashes on the dish, that was hilarious. And all of these great little moments. He's just he's he's so good. Uh he's I just love him so much. I think and I think like one of the things that I really loved was this moment in at the beginning of episode four when Saw asks Ezra, you have a plan? And Ezra just says, I have a droid. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chopper saves everyone. He's awesome. I, I love it when he's like reacting to Kanan flirting with Hera. <laughs> he's just like, oh God. He's honestly the... Um, Fuck. What am I trying to say? Secret star. No, he's not the secret star. He is the star. The star. The <laughs> he's like the avatar for, I don't know. He's just like, he's just everything. Chopper is everything. Yeah. He is kind of a, like a meta fictional commentator of things in a way. He's like breaking the fourth wall kind of that way. It's incredible. That's and so half the time you don't even have to translate what he's saying and you get it. Yeah. And, and I it's love even that. better if you don't really, you know, because again, like, v like a voice or even like a tone of voice, even though it's you know, quote unquote, just beeps and boops, uh, it's enough to re to relay all the information. You don't need words. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So good, so good. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't really get much about Zeb in those episodes, which is the last character we we're gonna talk about, but. It's yeah. too bad, honestly. But I, I do think that while they maybe haven't focused on Zeb, I think that's for the best. Because if they try to focus on everyone, it's going to be a little bit too much. And I like just having Zeb as this guy who can fight and have be a little bit funny sometimes. And, and he's like very reliable that way. Yeah, exactly. He's very re he's a reliable member of the crew. I, I like that they've gone away from him being immature. I like mm -hmm. him being more on the mature side when they're talking about the kids, quote unquote, are Sabine and Ezra. Because yeah. it really never made sense in the end to me how a captain of an honor guard who fought in multiple wars was bickering with Ezra as a kid. Like that big brother, little brother thing I get, but like the fact that they were fighting and just like bickering like children the whole time, like Zeb doesn't, he shouldn't be doing that. I like how how they're using him now relative to the past so even though he is sidelined i think it's for the best in terms of 
what makes sense for his character and also what makes sense for the entire show in terms of not diluting the content or diluting the focus of the show. Yeah, and I think that's a great example of a learning curve for the creative team as well, right? So they knew, they saw that, okay, we've tried this, this is not working, so we're going to do something different with him. Yeah, and while I will say that some of the episodes that we've watched in the past have been higher. So I think the end of season two had really good episodes with Ahsoka. The end of season three was really good as well. Mm. The, while these episodes maybe don't reach that height, I think in totality, this first half of the season is one of the strongest of the show, which is uh, which is a really good, like the, sh- the show is getting better. And that's all we can like say, because even though we are critical about the show it's i think when shows get better relatively speaking we can become more critical of them and we just get less eye rolly about them mm. and it becomes this interesting like i think it's right now in the middle ground where it is good enough to to warrant actual critique and us nitpicking a little bit more than we have done in the past but it is not so good that we are just in love with it so it's an interesting mix yeah but now we're almost at the end uh and yeah, I'm I'm just curious about the finale and what happens uh, and how they're wrapping everything up. So, ooh, next time, next time is going to be a big one. Yeah, we're going to be watching episodes 9 through 13. Relatively short for us, but we'll be finishing up our journey through Star Wars Rebels. Sorry, 9 through 15, 9 through 15. I am terrible at actually remembering episode numbers. <laughs> And yeah, so join us next time as we finish up our journey through Star Wars Rebels. Okay, so and if people have enjoyed listening to this and they want to support the show, Rashad, what's the best thing they can do? They should give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to get in touch, you know, get some feedback, ask some questions, whatever it is, we'd love to hear from you. And the best way to see how you can do that is... SeriallyHook.com. All of our contact information is there, our Twitter, email, or our form on the website. Thank you so much for listening. And ooh, next week, next week is going to be a thing, guys. Isn't it always a thing? Bang. <laughs> uh, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> she has to make some decisive decisions here which is kind of a double thing anyway um